Welcome to The Clickdown. I'm Anna Ruiz. And I'm Dan Fowler. Today, we're going to find out what happens when the cloud fails. So, Anna, I've, I've been thinking about this topic and you know, it's it's all about you know service continuity, and, and one of the big expectations that we have when we're using anything in the cloud is that it's always available. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even if you look at the consumer side, you know, we all get really frustrated if after a long day of work, you sit down, turn on the TV, and for whatever reason, Netflix isn't working. <laughs> you know, that's actually one of the biggest, uh, like you know alarms or, or chaos in the house is, is, you know, either Netflix is down or, or, you know, kids can't watch Netflix or, you know, someone can't watch Netflix. But nine times out of 10, I would say it's not even a Netflix problem. It's, it's something with my broadband provider, or it could be my Wi-Fi access points in my house. You know, there's, there's all these different pieces that fit into this whole puzzle just to allow someone to watch Netflix. Yep, exactly. And if you think about it, I mean, from the consumer side, it's it's frustrating. You don't know what's what's wrong, how to fix it, right? And you have all these steps to troubleshoot it. Um, and if you look at it from a work environment, you know, when when people can't work, that means lost time, lost productivity, frustrated end users. And as we all know, lost productivity means losing money, which is never a good thing. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the bad thing about it. The the good thing about it is then I get some me time whenever uh, <laughs> whenever I don't have access to work stuff. Uh, but you know, if if you think about it, um, you know, really we're we're looking at you know organizations that are using you know Citrix virtual apps and desktops, you know, on prem. You know, their IT is managing it. Um, all of the things that those IT architects had to create and design to build a highly available environment it's 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 quite a bit you know if you think about all those different components and how much time and and expertise is required to do something like that it's 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 really unbelievable yeah for sure but if you think about it from a cloud perspective now instead of architecting it yourself you need to trust the cloud provider to do it so in this mm. case citrix and i think a lot of people, it's hard to give up that control, right? Because if, if you're the one architecting it, if you're the one designing this, you know it's weak points. And when you're moving to the cloud, then what you're doing is you're, you're putting that trust on that provider. So I could definitely see why, you know, why people are, are scared of that. Um, mm -hmm. But the good thing is, is that last year, uh, we introduced service continuity, which essentially what it does is we're reducing the dependency on those cloud services. Yeah, and one of the one of the you know things that I think we've learned um, with having these cloud hosted services is it's it's not a question of if something's going to fail; it's just a matter of when it's going to fail. I mean, really, with anything in technology related or most things in life eventually there's going to be a failure. So it's not about preventing that. It's about how do you overcome it quickly or how do you make it so it doesn't impact the users? Yeah, for sure. I mean, even on premise, on premises, right? Like sometimes we had a snowstorm or an outage. And so it was more about what happens when, you know, how do you not prevent things from happening, but what do you do when those things happen? Um, so I think, Dan, it would be a good idea if we had Fernando Kerflin, who's a product manager for service continuity, join us to talk in depth about service continuity. 
So hi, Fernando. Could you introduce yourself? Yes. Thank you guys for the invite and hello everyone out there listening. So I'm a product manager. I work in, in the HDX group and I have been doing almost everything in HDX, anything that you can imagine. And now I'm also working in, in this project, Service Continuity, uh, part of the CVAT service, Citrix Virtual Apps and Desktop Service. So Fernando, I, I remember your name coming up quite a bit uh, with the whole Microsoft Teams optimization, Skype for Business optimization, um, a lot of these user experience uh, capabilities within virtual apps and desktops. Yeah, yeah, so Teams, it's uh, still a project that I'm managing. It's, uh, I think we, it's already been an year since, we, since we've been GA. So, so yeah, Teams, it's a, it's a big project as well. So before you joined Fernando, Dan and I were discussing how instead of being afraid of failure, we need to be prepared for when it does happen. And part of moving to the cloud is trusting that cloud provider to have those systems in place to minimize that impact for when failure occurs. Um, so since you have been working really closely as the PM of service continuity, we wanted to hear from you. You know, what is service continuity? How does it work? Yeah, sure. So, so maybe the most important uh, sentence to mention about service continuity is that it's not a new feature or, or a new protocol. It's more than that. It's it's a it's a new way of building products in Citrix Cloud with a design for failure mentality. So instead of architecting the solution with um, clustering and high availability for Redis databases, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, we assume that at some point there will be a failure, and and the software itself should be able to recover. So it's, a, it's an evolution of all the learnings we had from the CVAT service all these years and the demand for more nines. And this is crystallizing now after a long development into the service continuity tech preview. Yeah, and that makes sense. Um, but what I think a lot of people are kind of wondering is that if you're relying on a cloud-hosted service to allow you to access your resources, the big question is going to be is how do you get to those resources when the cloud service is unavailable. And, and honestly, I think about the only way you can make this work is by doing some level of local caching on your environment. Mm -hmm. So we are trying to basically decouple uh, the brokering process from, from all the components involved. So for example, uh, authorization and the subsequent connection to a resource, they are decoupled. Today they happen sequentially, but with service continuity, we we assume that the first successful login to Citrix Cloud um, happened, of course, before the outage. And when you first log into Citrix Cloud, there are there are certain files that we are going to sync and store in the user's machine. Think of it as a as an intelligent hash. And then when when the outage hits. We, we have a way to invoke these new files and, and connect to the resource without requiring uh, every component involved in the brokering process to be available. So that decoupling is what gives us the, the flexibility to be able to, to make a, a connection without uh, independently or regardless of the cloud service health status. 
No, that's great, Fernando. You know, it's great that we're utilizing that intelligent cash in order to provide that resiliency. But, you know, I think for a lot of, li of listeners, this isn't really anything new, right? Um, I, I would think that most listeners have been working on Citrix Technologies for a couple of years and are probably familiar with our local host cash technology. Um, and that provides resiliency as well. So can you tell us just more in depth how service continuity is different from local host cache or how we're utilizing that local host cache technology to build on for service continuity? Mm -hmm. So local host cache today in the, in the Citrix Virtual Apps and Desktop Service requires the access layer to be on-premise, so storefront and um, optionally a scaler as well. So the access layer being on-prem, um, it's what makes LHC work. But with service continuity, we are we are changing that. So we are think of it as we are bringing the the LHC functionality into the workspace. So a Citrix customer that's using Gateway Service and workspace experience can enjoy even higher levels of uh, resiliency. So the trick is with the access layer being now uh, moved to the Citrix cloud, and we don't ask the customer to deploy anything on-prem. So that's, I, I would say that's the main difference. Uh, also, I need to mention that uh, service continuity is, it is the evolution of local host cache for the workspace. So we are adding more uh, improvements on top of local host cache to make it more compatible with, with a cloud native uh, solution. And we, we are going to continue to evolve service continuity so it, it becomes um, uh, uh, sort of a, a replacement for local host cache once the customer is ready to migrate to, to a workspace plus gateway service uh, type of architecture. I know when, when I was in the field and I would talk to administrators, one of the main reasons why they hadn't embraced cloud 100% was because local host cache needed that access layer to remain on-prem. Um, so you had to keep storefront if you wanted that resiliency. Yeah, yeah, that, that was one of our, I would say, main objectives. We we want to drive the workspace adoption. And as such, we we had to revisit the the, the availability question. And, and when service continuity, it's the answer to that. Uh, but it's much more than than a, an airbag for for the cloud or or a, or a protection mechanism when there is an outage. Service continuity is designed to work with uh, outages or not, and eventually it will become, uh, or it will it will super, supersede the way we, we broker connections. Uh, again, by, by decoupling the components and, and not having the, the, the necessity of every component being online. So service continuity is designed to, to be more than um, than an insurance policy it will eventually be a, a new default and, and a new way of, of working in, in Citrix Cloud. So you you talked about how this is an evolution of localhost cache. Uh, can you tell us, go a little bit more in depth on how it does the caching? Yeah, so we are introducing a new type of um, ICA file, if I had to call it somehow. It's a, it's a long-lived type of ICA file that can be reused multiple times. The ICA files today are, are short-lived and they are produced uh, by uh, uh, Citrix Workspace every time you click on an icon with um, these new uh, ICA files that are technically called the Workspace Connection Leases. 
we are able to to use these uh, connection lists multiple times during a validity period that's configured by the admin. And yeah, it's a it's an it's an intelligent way to cache the, the necessary information for workspace app to become more autonomous in that sense. So it doesn't have to rely on on individual cloud services to be online. And once we are uh, storing the, the connection lists in the user's machine, then Workspace app can use them whenever it detects that there is an outage or it detects that there is a problem with the ICA files. So I know from my experience is that when we talk about these ICA files, you know, basically they're, they're launch files um, that previously, you know, we've always talked about how these are short-lived one-time use. I mean, that was the security of them, that they would only last so many seconds. And once you used it once, you could not use it again. Uh, but since we're caching these things, uh, how are we handling the security of this so that another user can't steal uh, those those connection leases or you know those those cached files? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so so that that was also a key uh, design uh, guideline. So we wanted to improve our uh, our current mechanism, and the way that that it works is first by by having the connection list files to be signed and, uh, and encrypted. So they cannot be tampered with. They cannot be copy pasted to another machine because the connection lists are, are user and device bound. So it's not possible to simply grab a connection list set of files, uh, put it on another machine, and expect them to work. And that would invalidate the connection list itself. So we are introducing all these new mechanisms with built-in cryptography that make the connection list um, a secure way of of storing the, the information required to launch the session. So Fernando, while security is of course extremely important across all verticals, why don't we shift gears and talk about the end user experience? Um, so I know there is nothing more frustrating from an end user perspective when things don't work, especially if you don't know what's going on. So can you elaborate what the end user sees when there is a failure? So in some cases, yeah, in some cases they they do know uh, we are uh, putting some UI elements. Uh, it, it's basically a small banner on the top that alerts the user that some of the resources or, or the apps or desktops are not available. Um, but uh, there are some scenarios where the user doesn't even know that there is um there is an outage. Uh, in terms of user experience, we're trying to minimize any impact, so we we don't want the user to be retrained for for working when there is an outage, uh, but there are there are some things that are that are changing. The, probably the most notorious um, change will be that when there is an outage and we are launching an app, eventually uh, the VDA will present uh, the Windows logon UI for a last barrier of entry, so to speak, into the VDA. So the Windows logon UI will ask the user for either AD credentials or a smart card pin, and and that would be the most notorious change. In terms of user interfacing workspace app, as I mentioned, we are trying to minimize it. We are not very explicit on what's going on with the outage because we don't want the user to um, to be alerted. Uh, because from his from his perspective, um, the enumeration of all the icons and all the apps still happen. He should be able to click on on every app that we were able to cache, and and the app should launch. So. What we are even thinking about is maybe uh, 
allowing the admin to select what type of message it's displayed in the banner. So we, we hope that uh, in the near future, the admin can, can select the type of message that a user sees during an outage. So we want to first limit any UI change, and then whatever we've got we got to change, we, we want to let the admin decide what's the message. Maybe it's a, it's a call ID with a phone number, maybe it's a different type of message. Each individual company should have um, the, the capacity and, and, the, and the jurisdiction on, on what's the banner and the text. Yeah, for sure. I think most listeners will agree that it's awesome that they have the ability to customize these messages because at the end of the day, they know their end users the best and can provide messages, like you said, um, that don't necessarily alert the user and just let them know what to do next. Hey, Fernando, I, I think you sh shed quite a bit of light on how service continuity works. So I'd like to thank you for joining us today. Thank you guys for the invite. Dan, I think it was great to, to have Fernando join us and just talk in depth about service continuity and how it works. At the end of the day, he lives and breathes this every day as a product manager. Um, and I think if there's one thing that we can take away is that service continuity is reducing that dependency on the cloud services. So while it's not eliminating um, you know, those failures, it is minimizing that end user impact in case there's a cloud service failure or an outage. And, and let's not forget that uh, it, it also removes the re their dependency uh, of keeping those access layer components on-prem. So if you're ready to go 100% cloud, but you know localhost cache was the reason that you, know, you, you couldn't adopt it completely, uh, service, continuity, service continuity can now let you do that. Yeah, for sure. And I think the, the last thing before we wrap up, Dan, um, that's important to mention is that service continuity is a tech preview feature. So we're going to provide a link uh, on how to sign up in the episode description. And once you sign up, all you really have to do is click a button within Citrix Cloud in order to enable that. And we will also provide um, a link to the documentation so that you can follow step-by-step -step instructions on how to turn it on if you want to try it out. So the good news is users can continue to work uh, even if there's a disruption in that link from their endpoint device to those cloud services. Uh, the bad news is I think I'm now going to have a little bit less me time when there's an outage. <laughs> <laughs> so Dan, I think that was another great episode and we'll see everyone next time here on the click down. Mm -hmm.